want to tell you about one of our partners, Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, black, and indigenous women-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, PD, coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. Their newly released Abolitionist Teaching Workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they have been called The Future of Educational Justice by Dr. Bettina Love. You can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visiting quetzalec.com. That is Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L-E-C.com. And if you mention you heard about them through Two Dope Teachers, you will receive a 5% discount on their Abolitionist Teaching PD series. Once again, you can book them by visiting quetzalec.com on their Connect With Us page. Habitually disruptive, where we disrupt complacency, we disrupt our uninterrogated ideas, and we try to learn the foundational assumptions that we make as we interact in this life. We ask lots of questions here. I am your critical conscience. I am your philosopher king. As philosopher king, I bring you ill literacy. I bring you coffee that I drink too fast. I bring you ill behavior. I bring you ill-legitimacy and ill-advised actions to try to build a better world. I want to welcome you. We're at the end of September, um, a day I'll always remember. <laughs> and uh, it's, um, man, it's been a hard time lately, y'all. It has been a real, real hard time lately. Um, you, we're going to be, I'm going to be recording an interview with my good friend Anthony Swan and we'll be diving into some of the complexities of our relationships with our fathers um, in the context of institutional racism. And so we'll be talking about that a little bit. Stay tuned for that. That'll be out in a couple of weeks. Just got back from visiting my pops in Seattle and just supporting him through some health challenges um, and really reflecting on the kind of relationship that um, he needs as well as the kind of relationship I need from him. Uh, Habitually Disruptive is a Too Dope Media production. Um, follow us on all social media platforms, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Too Dope Teachers. You can also follow us on TikTok at Too Dope Teachers, but you're not going to find any original content there because we don't know how to get TikTok. <laughs> don't know how to do that. It's uh, a very terrifying world. Um, and, uh, you can subscribe and, uh, write us a five-star review that helps people find our content, helps us continue to rise, um, on the rankings. You can also follow me on my own separate Twitter account, at Swaggy G, um, courtesy of my friend Brooke Brown, who gave me that nickname. Um, and, uh, you know, we can have some good dialogue. Um, I got into a fight with someone 
and then I also uh, made friends with somebody I was fighting with. So I feel like that's just me a day in the life. In a minute, we're going to bring you this amazing interview with uh, my dear friend, Korsha Hassan, the Remy Ma to my fat Joe um, from our cohort of Teachers of the Year and one of my favorite humans that I've ever met. But I just want to talk about a few things. I'm no longer in the classroom, as you all know. And, um, and so I'm still watching things as they affect um, my family who continues to do that hard work in the classroom. Um, so some data came out in my district, school performance data, state testing data. And I just want to bring a little bit of a critical lens to this conversation. Um, I saw a tweet the other day that I probably should have responded to. Normally, I don't drag people's ideas from social media, but there's a lot of folks with a lot of influence who discuss test, test data pretty uncritically. Like, to me, this is a capital sin of against humanity is a, a lack of criticality is just something I don't understand and can't accept. If you are such a believer in sacred cows that you don't want to tip the ones that are even a problem. I just don't understand what motivates you. Um, I don't know how you can continue to do this work. To me, this is worse than amplifying data to support your agenda. Um, because I feel like at least people who position themselves in the latter, who like see this data and align it to their agenda, at least they demonstrate some understanding that data is always open to interpretation. So like, while these folks argue that test scores, quote, are why we need to tear up the union contract, we had a, uh, a pillar in, a, in uh, Denver education, in the Denver education community, uh, say that to me when I was an early service teacher, or quote, why we need more charter schools. The reality is that testing data should be really centered in discourse, not mandates. But the folks who uncritically read these numbers, I really got time for these people. They're playing checkers when this situation demands chess. I mean, shoot, it's Denver Nuggets Media Day, uh, so it's got me thinking about how they probably even think Joel Embiid should have been the MVP two times in a row, right? But for example, and I'm taking these quotes from Twitter, 30,000 students took CMAS in 2022, 90% of students, definitely more to evaluating a school than one test outcome, but we can't just dismiss the results. Or, or how about this one? The test data is valid for the kids who took the test. I'm really, I feel like there's smoke coming out of my ears as I hear this, or, or here's my favorite. Um, from a would-be um, civil servant who did not win the election. The te uh, as a parent, this raises multiple red flag emojis. Um, it sounds like, don't hold us accountable, don't take this data seriously before the stock outrage parent refrain of, do better, DPS. Just this finger-wagging and pearl-clutching just is kind of amazing. Like, sometimes I think people should have their accounts temporarily suspended for using terms they don't understand. Like, if, if you are going to say the test scores are valid, you're saying that you accept them. So what is it that you accept? Do you know what was on the test? Do you know the conditions under which the test was taken? Have you seen the test questions? And can you definitively say that the responses to those questions are a good way to determine whether a student possesses the tools and skills to be in the next grade? 
So um, I'm taking a critical quantitative methods class right now. I would shout out the professor, but I'm not going to do that because that professor is a bit of an introvert and does not love the social media attention. But it's taking so much about what it, like what, what it's doing, what taking this class is making so much of what we talk about and act upon in education nearly impossible to stomach. I really found my my passion in critical scholarship, y'all. Like I used to think it just meant being a contrarian to argue against everything I hear, to pounce on people who clearly don't read and ideas that are half baked. Like I used to think that I was just being mean, um, and you know maybe I still kind of am. But but I'm I'm starting to realize that critical perspectives are a lot deeper than just arguing with people and and aligning yourself to the contrarian position of disagreeing. Like to me, critical thinking, theorizing, and scholarship, it's about asking questions to develop an understanding of the foundational assumptions that we all make, mostly unconsciously. So a critical perspective isn't, what do we do with this data? A critical perspective is, where does the data come from? About this test, what's on it? Who wrote it? Who benefits from having this assessment compulsory for every school? What do the authors of the test fundamentally believe about teaching, learning, and assessment? And bro, if we don't know the answer to these questions, then we need to start asking the questions and we need to pump the brakes when it comes to overreacting to test data. And we also need to pump the brakes on underreacting to test data. Like, I think that these are data points and they're data points to be interrogated and questioned um, so we shouldn't, we should limit ourselves from writing them off as much as we limit ourselves from embracing them as holy scripture. Like, like we need to act upon these things. Sorry, I'm just getting frustrated, <laughs> get myself worked up. I've had a few weeks to process this and I'm still mad about it. Um, but these are questions that I think we need to be uh, having, and we need to be approaching these questions with um, an open mind. Uh, so that is your critical consciousness moment of the day, week, whatever. Uh, it's time to move on. I got to introduce you all to Q. Korsha. Korsha is one of my closest friends in the 2021 State Teachers of the Year cohort. We connected immediately in our cohort induction over Zoom. Uh, side-eyed the Secretary of Education, called out racism, and made fun of our dear 320 friends. Um, Korsha has been there for me through a lot of like difficulties. So uh, she was there when I locked myself out of the house in the second induction, and I had to join from my phone. Um, I was barefoot. I also left my shoes inside, and it was like 98 degrees. So I'm like sitting outside dying. Um, she was there for me, and I, um, and by there for me, I mean made fun of me, laughing at me, screenshotting my texts, and sending them to all of our friends. Um, of course, she was there for me when I needed help at Washington Week in October of 2021, a little under a year ago. Um, and she possesses one of the most powerful minds I've come across. After 10 years of impact and transformative teaching, Korsha was named 2020 Minnesota Teacher of the Year, the first Somali-American to receive that distinction. And as you uh, will learn, that is not a distinction that she celebrates. It's a distinction that she thinks really deeply on. Um, heartbreakingly, painfully, Korsha left teaching um, this past summer 
and um, and it's been hard. It's been hard for her um, to walk away um, in order to search for healing in her own life. Um, so I won't uh, I, I won't delay anymore. Here is my dear friend Korsha Hassan. She's here to tell her story on habitually disruptive. Hey, what's up, everybody? Want to let you know that I'm here with this amazing guest, a top human, a top human, um, my good friend, the 2020 Minnesota Teacher of the Year, year Korsha Hassan. Korsha, what's Hi. up? What are you Thank doing? you for having me. Man. I'm doing well. I have to I have to be honest. Um, I took a really long nap today, so I feel very <laughs> like rejuvenated, and I feel prepared to have this conversation that I feel like has been a long time coming. That's it has been. And I just want to put it out there in front of the audience that the reason it's taken so long to get this conversation out here is not Korsha. It's me. And all of my nuttiness and all my goofiness has been happening and all that kind of stuff, which I will share with you in another episode. But <laughs> Q, do you follow do you follow the Nat Ministry on Instagram? I do. And I take every tweet to heart. 100%. Like I try 100%. my best to and I know that like I, I'm I'll be honest, rest will not um, you know, combat systemic racism by any means, right? Um, but I think it's just so important to prioritize it whenever you can. So I'd be taking naps with my little nephew, <laughs> sitting man, yes. whenever I can. I love and also that that's one of my favorite things to see to those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to follow you on social media is you mm -hmm. and your little nephew and that bond. And he's he's like a social media presence waiting to happen. Like he's I feel like he's already a mom. Mogul, I, so. I think is the term. I don't know. He's <laughs> he he's an icon in my mind. Like he um just is his own personality from day one, but like he feeds off of just being himself, which I love. That's amazing. So much we can learn from little ones. So uh folks, I want to let you know that um Korsha was one of the first people I really connected with as 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year. Um we came back and we were on Zooms. And like, so we didn't get to go to Google and we didn't get to do like a whole bunch of stuff at the beginning. So we were in all of these like Zoom conversations. And I remember Q watching you react to something that the secretary of education was saying. <laughs> and I was like, this is my person <laughs> like right here. And I, and I feel like the friendship has just really grown from there. Um, Korsha is, was like an incredible classroom teacher. 10 years you spent in the game? 10 years, that's a third of my life. I keep like thinking that is, that is a sizable chunk of my existence. So yeah, where I, where I, I come credit. from, we call that, we call that a good minute. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that is a good minute. <laughs> it's a good minute. No, yeah. and that, you know, I mean, in 10 years is definitely the amount of like, you become a, an entirely different person over the course of mm -hmm. 10 years. Like I think about myself, starting in my early 20s and how different I was by the time I hit my 30s. And of course, myself also having left the classroom um, this past spring after 23 years, it, it's it's kind of wild when you look at how all those seasons play out. Um, yeah. What was it that brought you into teaching? Um, ironically, my pre-K through 12 experience, um, I went through all that schooling without having one black teacher. And I remember being ostracized and criminalized, um, especially at a young age. We often don't talk about 
how black girls are are criminalized in the education system but i was made to feel incredibly small and meaningless um and you know the, the only way that i really combated that was when i went home when i went to my um safe space with my mom and my family and i was really proud of uh, my identity and being Somali and being Black and being Muslim and all the other intersections that um, I was able to fully be away from the, the schoolhouse. And I think, you know, when I first had my interaction outside of um, uh, K through 12 in an education setting with young kids, and I realized just how much they craved representation. They craved yeah. someone who just got it too, like who was aware and didn't pity them, didn't, um, you know, uh, look down upon them, but had high expectations while also seeing them as a whole person. I think that like lit a spark inside of me. And I was like, wow, you know, I clearly um, I'm vibing with these kids and they're vibing with me. And there's something really special um, mm -hmm. and tangible happening here that I want, I want to be a part of. Yeah, it's the vibes. So like, th th this is what I think is this is what makes me feel like I can relate to you so much because as you know, you know, and we have really amazing people in our, in our cohort of teachers of the year, but the, the narrative that a lot of them present is like, I always wanted to be a teacher teaching was yeah. like school was always yeah. a safe space for me. Yeah. And yeah. I remember or they did school. Well, <laughs> they were good at school. Like they were good yeah. at school. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you and I, one of our early conversations, I think there's a, there's an iconic photo of us talking in DC. <laughs> and I think yeah. what we're talking about is that, yeah, I can't relate. School wasn't safe for me. School was hostile. School made me it like that that way of feeling small. And then this point that you made about representation and how kids crave it. At my last school, I was there for registration, right? And that, so I hadn't met a single student yet. And this this little uh, Latino boy runs up to me. He's like in sixth grade, and he and he's so overcome with excitement. He looks at me. He's like, I once had a teacher like you. And he was so awkward about it. And, but mm -hmm. I could just tell he was really excited to see another Latino like teacher that he had. So, so that, that representation piece. So, it's, so in a way you're, you're kind of saying that, you know, you wanted to ensure that the students that you taught didn't feel small the way you did. Correct. Correct. And that I could um, in my own way, prevent the injustice that I went through um, from, from, from that happening to them really and making sure that they understand and respect their identity um, and love themselves and affirm themselves in ways that I couldn't. Um, and yeah. that, that has been really the, the foundation of who I am as a teacher is I love building kids up and um, I didn't realize it, uh, you know, at the beginning of my uh, teaching journey, but I was um, soothing my inner child. I was taking care of little Arsha wow. um, every time that I affirmed a kid, every time that I, you know, advocated on, you know, on behalf of a student um, where I prioritized their needs. Um, I was, I was taking care of uh, a little girl that was um, neglected in, in school. Say more about that. I think that's so powerful. Like I, I haven't, I haven't heard anyone name it that way, soothing your inner child through your work yeah. as a teacher. Can you expand yeah. on that a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I, from a young age, remembered that there was harm being done to me. The the English-only initiatives, the criminalization of my L1 Somali 
um, being presented only a Euro-centric uh, curriculum, um, feeling really stifled and not being able to move around or be, you know, oratory because I'm from a very oral culture. And um, I, to a point, got um, so consumed with what I was experiencing that I, Gerardo, became mute. Like I stopped talking. I did not want to engage with my peers or my teachers. I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to do school well. Um, yeah. And I put I put my mind into it. I studied hard. It you know school didn't come easy to me as my older sister, but you know I made sure that um, I was doing all the right things. I was being compliant, and throughout that I didn't realize that I was slowly becoming invisible. This hyper you know visible uh, black Muslim girl um, who was running this huge jilbab suddenly became just you know, an, an imaginary friend. And I never got to unpack that. I never knew what therapy was when I was, you know, out of out of high school. I didn't know how to heal um, or even how to tell my own story. And so the beauty of teaching was that, you know, I got to learn who I was again through the lens of my students. Um, and as I was affirming them, I learned ways to affirm myself. Oh, <laughs> It, like just in in that explanation, like you put so many things into words that I think I've felt, and you know me, I'm, I don't I don't lack for words. I find words, mm -hmm. but I've I've struggled to find words in that way. And you know, just as as you talk, it really is giving me some perspective on what teaching was for me over the course of my career. And I, you know, like you, I'm not greeting kids at the door this year. And so I'm having mm -hmm. to find ways to make sense of what did I just do the last 23 years? Um, there, there's this, uh, so, you know, you were named uh, Minnesota Teacher of the Year in 2020, the first Somali American to win Minnesota Teacher of the Year. Is that true? Yes. I hate first, but yes, I am the first. Why do you hate first? Why do you hate first? I think it minimizes our work. I think um, mm. it comes into, you know, this um, uh, identity politics of, you know, this person's going to represent an entire community yeah. or be reduced to that. And I love my community, don't get me wrong, but I'm not speaking sure. for 100K Somalis in, in this beautiful, yeah. but, you know, also incredibly racist state. Um, yeah. So, you know, I own that, you know, I um, am, you know, the first Somali, but I also feel like that's not the only descriptor that I want. Mm. Um, but you go ahead. You keep describing. <laughs> I just think it's I, I think it's important, but I also understand what you're saying, because there yeah. is that threat that you will be essentialized and you will be yeah. a box that gets checked and yes. that they don't ever have to come back. Right. Correct. To, Correct. Like so if I'm in, in uh, I, I, I'm the first Chicano identifying teacher to be Colorado State Teacher of the Year. Yeah. And like the first always is kind of like, okay, who's going to be second? <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> Will there be a second? Um, or what, so other, this... what other person of color are we going to, you know, um, highlight to, to continue to check a box, right? It's, it's tokenization to an extent. Um, and I think yeah. we have to be really careful and critical about how we identify people when they receive honors and accolades that they should have received ages ago. Like I shouldn't yeah. be the first of 50 plus Minnesota teachers of the no, year to at all. carry this title. Right. And so I just, I like to complicate those narratives, but let me well, stop. You go. And yeah. I'll tell you though, I'll tell you though, uh, Q like you, that will never happen with you because mm -hmm. you are that critical thinker you are that disruptor you are that person that's like no matter what you think you see there is more and one of 
and and I've seen you as a disruptor from day one, and I think that's why I really gravitated you, gravitated towards you, and why I consider you to be such an important friend because there's like moments that I'm in spaces when I feel uncomfortable because something unjust or racist mm. is happening. And one of the, I, I kid you not, one of the first um, questions that comes into my head is like, okay, how would Gorsha, um respond mm. to this? Oh. And because I've watched you be real with people. Like I thought I was being real with people. And then yeah. I watched you be real with people. I'm like, I mm. have seen you do this. And it's interesting because I know how much people's, hate and people's ignorance hurts you but yeah. it never seems personal you just pointed out you're like this is a thing and i'm okay because i can name it um mm. this this piece from uh is it pronounced sahan journal yeah it um is. yeah so uh so becky dernbach wrote this thing about you that i thought was amazing she talked about having visited your classroom over the time that you were state teacher of the year um she spoke with her students, talked to school parents and fellow teachers. All of them praised Korsh's teaching methods, her uncanny ability to connect with children, and the representation she brought to their schools, in the classroom, at award ceremonies, even at a school board protest. I've observed how much Korsh means to her students and how much they mean to her. So mm -hmm. I think that when we talk about this idea of tokenizing, of, of like how these systems will try to box us in, yeah. Like under the guise of recognition and under the guise of celebration. But you've yeah. never allowed that to be you, at least not based on what all those who probably interact with you the most in the professional capacity would. You've never allowed that to happen. No, and I won't. I strictly say that I will not be tokenized. Um, but no, thank you for feeding my soul. Um, and I think, you know, while it's important to be critical, I'm I'm also really lately, I've been mindful about joy um, and mm. cultivating spaces where I I am just kind of taking a backseat and not overanalyzing everything. I think it's important to be aware, right? Um, and I think I do so much of it that sometimes I feel this burden of constantly being the one to like check others um but that's that's a lot of the invisible labor that i've been doing as a black teacher as a as, yeah. a, as a black teacher that that's my expectation is that i need to show up to fix systemic racism yeah something that i didn't create something that i don't i don't yep. fucking benefit from yeah. i somehow need to be the problem solver for yeah. and so a lot of my um, and I, I hate the word self-care. I'll use community care because I've been around family mm. and friends. But yeah. a lot of the work that I've been doing this summer has been just vibing. Like I've I've chosen joy and I've yeah. chosen peace um, instead of being combative, instead of like being argumentative and being like, oh no, actually that's that's part of the pyramid of white supremacy. I'm like, you know what? Just walk away, Hasha. Like just you know what? Like it's someone else will need to take that. Um, that that task for now and yeah. I've I've gleaned so much from that and that like I don't I don't have to be what society presents me as I don't, I don't have to be this black wonder woman that you know handles it all and yeah. um is left depleted is left half of a, a half of a human um and you know I'm, I'm I'm rejecting that too so I I um I am both aware of my criticality and I love it but I'm also like it's something that I need to learn how to better balance Right. And it, and it sounds like you, you 
you feel that you need to better balance it to protect your peace, not yeah. to appease others that may feel uncomfortable with the yeah. way you show up. I, I think that's so powerful. And and I agree with you. The, the idea of self-care is such a loaded term these days um, mm-hmm. because of who it comes from and the context yes. within which it's said. Um, I feel like I've been trying to work on something similar in the sense of, of, of saying to myself, there's just, I'm just going to do things that I want to do, not that I should do or that I have to do, or that it's good for me to do that. I just, what's the thing that I wanted to do today that I did because I wanted to do it. And Mm -hmm. I think pursuing that joy is radical. It's really radical. It Um, is. We have every excuse not to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I also feel like, you know, um, just like self-care is being weaponized, um, not with teachers, nurses, really anyone in the service industry who is, um, you know, being told to just keep on pushing and that, you know, it's just burnout that they're failing. Uh, uh, the, the, it's burnout that they're experiencing. And um, uh, it's it, it all comes back to putting the the moral failure on an on individuals, which right. is not the case. Like we're experiencing systemic failure um, and, you know, uh, emotional and economic exploitation. And we have to be able to not only recognize that and remind each other of that, but also create spaces where we're actively and, you know, unapologetically choosing ourselves and choosing our yeah. community rather than the system that we don't benefit from. Yeah. Well, so to that point, I guess this is a really good segue, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so in terms of the, you know, and I, I think that you, you and I have communicated a lot over the last, like, wow, it's almost been two years, yeah. like, since, since we first connected. That's so wild. Um, we've communicated a lot and I definitely could sense that you were struggling, um, yeah. particularly in the winter and the spring and leading into summer and you talked about prioritizing your joy and Mm -hmm. and finding your healing Mm -hmm. you decided the 2020 minnesota teacher of the year you decided to leave teaching at the end of this past school year yeah can you talk a little bit about what went into that decision and just what your process was as you decided that this work that means everything to me is just not it for me right now. I think um, I've been reflecting on how, you know, the past two years have exacerbated a lot of um, systemic issues, right? Um, And for me personally, Things that happen in your state, especially. Correct. Yes. And I think, you know, being in Minnesota, um, we just... uh, we we were were we were in a situation where we were not only experiencing COVID nineteen in twenty twenty, but also the racial reckoning, um, the gaslighting of political leaders, yeah. um, and a lot of just turmoil. And I remember thinking, um, I've had this sense of dread, not just you know within that year um, or the past two years, but for a while that I was just yeah. kind of pushing down. Um, and, you know, saying, you know what, Osha, just push through, like, you're a, you're a strong woman. Um, it's a saying that we say in Somali and just mm. kind of uh, trying to um, be resilient. And I now have like fully unpacked the problematic nature of that word. And I, be, I was being praised for it, Gerardo. So I thought like, oh my gosh, like I'm doing something well, clearly. Like, yeah. you know, I'm clearly experiencing trauma back to back and it's not coming back as a memory. Like it's coming back as a reaction every time. Um, yeah. But you know what? I'm just going to push through and yeah. I'm going to um, 
get through every school year that comes my way. And throughout that, I um, was losing weight. I was irritable. I was depressed, um, still I'm depressed. I think de- depression comes in different forms. Um, yeah. And I got to a point where I was just, I was done as a human. Like I was very robotic. I was just doing all the motions and um, I was not fully there. And I think it was only this past school year where I intentionally thought, you know what, Osha, like you need to pause. You need to hit the brakes for a second before you are no longer in this world and you no longer um, are around your family because the path that I was going down was self-destruction. Um, I was putting a lot of that like individual, like moral failure on me. Yeah. Um, the fact that I wasn't showing up the, the way that I wanted to for my students or for my family or for my um, loved ones. Um, I was putting that all back on me and yeah. I wasn't taking a moment to realize that Um, the very high expectations that I had of myself and you know all that I was experiencing were just not compatible and there was a um, an imbalance and um, I decided to try therapy Um, I went on antidepressants but I was going back to the same environment I was um, being minimized I was being um, you know discriminated against and and vilified for teaching the truth and for, you know, standing my ground. And it just got more and more isolating. Um, And no matter what I did, no matter all, you know, the the preventative steps that I would take, I would go back to a very violent space. And, um, you know, it's hard for me, uh, especially being, you know, the only Somali teacher in many of the schools that I've taught, Um, And and in some cases, being the only Black teacher to walk away from a profession that I know needs people that look like me. But I also thought, if I don't model to my students what taking care of yourself, especially as a person of color in this country, looks like, um, I might end my life, right? And so I took it upon myself to just um, decide that classroom teaching in an oppressive traditional space was no longer for me that I needed something radically different um, that was benefiting students, especially students of color, but also teachers of color. And, you know, I decided that I was going to choose myself. I was going to love myself. And for Mm -hmm. once in my life, um, put my needs first. Just thank you for sharing. Um, I know that, you know, while, while sharing stories is, is, is so powerful and so important and we need to be able to to bring bring things to light I know that when when we share trauma and pain there's a part of us that relives it again and um, it just means the world that you would share it on this platform and with me and um, so many things that you're saying it just seems like every single step of the way is is a step that is so hard for so many teachers to overcome. Like that representation piece kept yeah. me in this game a lot longer than it than I probably should have stayed. Correct. And and it's not that I didn't, it, you know. And that's the thing is is that the other thing that gets weaponized in these systems is kids. Kids get weaponized against us, yeah. and so the like I had to address that whole thing, saying you know what, no, leaving isn't like. 
I'm not going to let people use the kids to do any, you know, and my, my transition has been pretty smooth, but, you know, being able to say very clearly to my high school students that, yo, if you should never feel confined to one space, if, if, if there is an opportunity somewhere to make a bigger impact, then you've got to take it. Otherwise don't talk about being at the table. If you're like, no, I'm full. I don't need to be at this table. It's fine. Right. Y'all keep making decisions. But for you, it seems like the 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 trauma of of working within a system that has propagated and reinforced and created new forms of oppression really came home to you in a very tangible way. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's both of those things. It's it's walking away from a system that has harmed you within a society that harms others like you, and then sort of I'm struggling to come to words because you're so much better with the words than I am right now. Um, the um, And then that need for your own personal healing and saying that there's just nothing more important than that. There's, yeah. you know, for, for community, for loved ones, um, but for yourself, really. That that's It sounds like all those things descended into one place for you. It did. It did. And I also, you know, um, given the platform of Teacher of the Year, yeah. Um, I had this opportunity to not only just, you know, speak to my community, but speak at a, at a larger scale um, and have a wider platform. And and I didn't realize it then, but speaking out against workplace racism comes at a cost and at a greater cost for people that look like us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it came to a point where, um, you know, the, the hateful calls, the um, Islamophobic uh, mail that I was getting, the... Um, the combative messages from from white parents got to a point where I was just like, you know what, I teaching is not hard, and I love the kids. It's never the yeah. kids. It's always the system, and it's um, and it has its insidious way, especially in this state that you know um, promotes this idea of liberalism and, and progressivism mm-hmm. that you know doesn't hold leaders accountable, and it it just keeps teachers um, at the front um, uh, and center of getting. Um, hurt and being the kind of the shields of um, what is really hurting a lot of kids of color too. And so I just, I knew that I needed to end and stop that cycle um, for me. And I knew that I could affect change in other ways. um, And I would find that way through, through my journey, but um, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself on the four walls again. And I don't, you know, it's not that, you know, I look back uh, on my 10 years and think, oh, I could have done something else. No, I, that decade of teaching um, taught me so much of who I am. And um, I experienced so much joy with my students. Um, and I don't, you know, think of um, the work that I did as, as non-essential. I thought, you know, yeah. all the ways that I impacted students, all the way that, all the ways that they still reach out. And, you know, we have this invisible thread that you know, um, connects us all has has been meaningful. And, yeah. you know, I don't regret the anti-oppression work that I did, but no. I just, I, I need time to just be and heal. Um, and I can't do that within those four walls. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm able to say that now without getting upset, without getting emotional, because I've, I've, I'm at peace. Like I've come to terms with it. Um, yeah. And I think that's beautiful too. I think, you know, I was going through the emotions, especially at the end of the school year. And even when I made this, the, the, the decision um, earlier in the spring, but, um, you know, joy and rest are, are revolutionary. And I am just 
I'm, I'm going to sit with that. I'm going to sit with the work of actually being better to myself. Um, I think I've been a great human, a, a, an excellent human to, to a top kids. human, a top human. <laughs> I don't know about top, but I, do. I, I've been, I, I feel do. like, I feel like I've been, you know, there for, for my community. Um, and now I just, I need to be, I need to be there for myself. Um, yeah. And, and I think through, through, the, the work that lies ahead, I'll still continue to teach. I'm, I'm a teacher at my core. I just don't want it to be my identity. I don't want it to be the only thing that I fall back on. Um, and the only thing that, you know, I think about now as I move forward is that um, the, the ability to speak my truth and tell my story comes from my Somali and what it's essentially like, it's a part of my culture. And there is nothing or anything that can take that away from me and so even with my district you know trying to you know promote the false narratives of teachers of color when the, the reality is that so many so many black and brown teachers have reached out since the article saying that they've left or that they're taking a sabbatical um has only shown just you know the the effect of one person saying you know what enough is enough i'm gonna i'm gonna take care of me knowing that the system won't show up for 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 them and yeah. i think that that's is we need more models of this um, yeah. and more more examples that it's okay to to be aware of your needs as a teacher and to step away from something because the thing is is that I I mean just to be frank I never knew that something you love and are so passionate about could also kill you like that's something that I'm still struggling with um, but it, it's all about really um, analyzing it in a way that it's not about the love that I had for teaching. It's not about the way that I interacted with my students or I was in community with them. It's all the yeah. way that it was weaponized against me. And so just yeah. sitting with that and being mindful of, of how to be, of how to be better yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that what you're saying makes me think of uh, what so many like particularly black and brown women scholars have have said and written and spoken on um is this idea that survival survival is just survival is just taking breath like you exist you're not necessarily living and like the audacity to believe that you should also be allowed to thrive and to reach towards the most joyful version of yourself the most comfortable version of yourself the most healed version of yourself like that that's mm -hmm. something that I think it's it's impossible to put too fine a point on that because at the end of the day and and not even I don't even want to like frame it from the social justice perspective that well if you don't take care of yourself you're not good for anybody else but mm -hmm. that's not even it it's just like in order to be able to envision like our our good friend uh Brooke Brown talks about this idea of how social justice work is science fiction right mm. <laughs> we have we have to be able to envision something that doesn't exist it seems so fantastic that it couldn't yeah. exist as if it already exists and so right. i imagine for you healing and wellness and joy felt like science fiction or maybe a mockumentary right yes, yes. Like I think I texted thing. you this yes. I texted you this sometime the sometime within the past years that I forgot to dream yeah. I wasn't able to imagine anymore yeah. and that was always my fallback you know it was my ability to <laughs> disassociate like I would always be in my head um, <laughs> yeah. for good or bad reasons right but it's it was you know non-existent um, yeah. I had no happy place and 
Um, Brooke Brown also reminds us um, about Mariam Kabit's uh, um, quote of hope is a discipline too, right? Like I that's right. had to, that's right. and that's what I've been doing this summer is rebuilding my hope and working on what that looks like, because I know that that's also another pathway to being a better human um, and, and being better for my community as well, right? Um, it's not their fault that the system, you know, let me down. At all. And, at all. and so I, I've been keeping that in the back of my mind too. Well, and if, and if you, and if you claim that joy, like, I don't think we all have the same choices, but there, we can choose things every day. Right. So if you are claiming that joy for yourself, it becomes irrelevant whose fault it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's when you start showing up just as who you are and your existence is the resistance, not what you have to say about the system and the efforts we, we put into tearing down the system. Like if more people like us, are finding that joy and living and claiming joy, the system will crumble without us even lifting a finger to make it crumble. Correct. Right? Correct. So, yo, I know you got things to do, but let's take a <laughs> minute and mm. um, and tell me a little bit about what what you are doing now. Like, what is what is it that you're searching for right now? Uh, or what are you working I I on, I guess? Earlier. Yeah, but um, I am I am in search um, of something that allows me to affect change within the education system, um, that fuels me, um, that um, allows me to be my authentic self, um, and also has a has an abolition like lens of looking at what we're dealing with as not um, something that is um, tying us down. Right, like there are ways out of it. It just requires. Um, collective work. It requires us to imagine and to build hope um, and to work on that. And yeah. so that's what I'm in search of. Will I find it? I don't know. We'll have to, mm-hmm. I'll have to be on the podcast again. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to, you know, have, have a regular yes. course segment, you know, clearly, just have clearly. you talk about, plus, plus I, f- I feel like people haven't been able to hear your jokes as much on this one. Like <laughs> you're one of the funniest people I've ever met. And I think, like, I think were... you find me funny because you understand my dark humor. I feel like most people, <laughs> most people are like, oh, Maybe is she okay? It. I'm like, no, actually I just have FI every now and then. <laughs> Like, exactly. you would find that funny but not not everyone else. right um, I no i've been no. also doing some um cultural heritage work i um, am writing oh, a book that. with my friend yes. Becca, who oh, is so a music specialist, that. and we are bringing somali music and culture to schools in the state um hopefully nationwide and we actually Beautiful. have been presenting this summer um and so that has been really incredible um and then lately, I've been working with a wonderful nonprofit um, in the city called Thrive Ed, and they are working on um, constructing the first lab school uh, that is co-designed by young students um, alongside oh. engagement guides, which is brilliant. So um, I've got my hands in many places. Um, mostly, though, I'm just chilling with my nephew and loving every yeah. second of it. And that's yeah. probably <laughs> the best. I mean, what better way to find healing than to be around children? and to be yeah, around yeah, he, little, your little nephew yes he is um he's a light of my life he is the reason why i'm still here yeah well uh Korsha, before i let you go i gotta yeah. invite you to participate in this last segment we have on habitually disruptive which is what is your top five anything okay top five okay my brain works um in oh, like also, a categorical way yeah yeah. I should tell you too that there are a lot, there's a lot of flexibility in this top five. Okay. Uh, we here at Tudo Productions have a thing called the Eric Hale rule, um, <laughs> which is which is your top five doesn't have to be five. 
Um, <laughs> of course you can not, have, I'm not with Eric. No, you can have a six-way tie for third and an eight-way tie for fourth. And then you can also choose to expand it. He's like, but if this was a top 15, it would be. So I'm sure I'm sure you can hear Eric's voice doing this right now. I can right hear now. it, can yeah, hear it so clearly. It's in he my either, head. Um, he either doesn't care about the rules or know them. Um, <laughs> probably both. Probably both. Um, and oh, I'm you know, by me. no means. No, I'm by no means a rule follower, and you know that. Uh, but oh, um, I, I have five in my head. I have five. Yeah, all right. Um, I want that. Five. I have my favorite person. My favorite person is Suleiman, my nephew, who actually just turned two uh, this past weekend. Um, favorite music lately? I've been listening to a lot of jazz, um, in particular BB King, um, and and just yeah, sitting sitting with some good jazz music and reading. Um, favorite snack? I've been <laughs> chewing on. Um, veggie straws, the barbecue flavor. Dude, veggie straws have veggie straws have made a comeback. So my daughter they was have, super into them yeah. when she was like three or four, yes. and now she devours those things like they're a narcotic. It is I mean, wild. they are. I feel yeah. like they are. I feel like there's definitely some crack be, in there. there they literally have crack in there. Yeah, definitely. They, I, okay, yeah. but you said and the barbecue. So many flavors barbecue. And you said the barbecue is the one. Okay, all right. Yes, that's the one. Um, okay. And then favorite activity, I've been doing some hot girl walks um, and some kettlebell lifting lately. So, I, so wait, what I kind of walks? Um, hot girl walks. What are those? You wouldn't know. You're a cisgender man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just that's Google fair. it later. It's great. I will. Yeah, I will. Great. And then kettle, kettlebells are the goat, actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. I've, I I have biceps now, like they're forming. Yo, getting. Um, and then favorite book. Um, we do this work till we free us by Mariam Kappa. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, this is this is great. I've I've not had a top five that was so wide spanning. Um, yeah. This is really cool, and it's going to give me a lot, and it's going to give our audience some ways to actually contribute their top five to this. I'm excited. Um, yeah. Korsha Hassan my homegirl, my, my person in this cohort. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story on Habitually Disruptive. I can't thank you enough for having me and allowing a safe space for me to share it. 100%. And folks, if you are interested in following Korsha, where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Can they find you? Uh, Twitter. You want to be Twitter. found by them. I do. Find me. Um, Twitter, Mintoy2020, and then on Instagram, H-I-B-A-Q-A-Y. All right, you can follow, and, it, and it's some fire content, especially on Twitter. Uh, some of the things you put out there are just so great. And um, and you're a great combination of like serious and combative and funny and loving. Yeah. It's like all of it. It's like it's like the Q experience, which is amazing. It is. Um, yes. Cool. And of course, you can follow um, Habitually Disruptive, The Exit Interview, and of course, Two Dope Teachers on a Mic by following at Two Dope Teachers on all social media platforms. And if you like this content, or if you just want to support people of color, grassroots creative media, feel free to head over to patreon.com slash Tudo teachers. So uh, this is Gerardo Munoz, your 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year, signing off. Looking forward to talking with you more. Hope those of you who are going back into buildings are feeling encouraged and energetic. And we hope those of you who are not going back into the buildings, maybe for the first time, feel a sense of peace and affirmation as you make that difficult choice. Stay with us. Check us out. Looking forward to talking with you more.